Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiti. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You'll also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. Today, you're going to meet Preeti Padmanabhan, Head of Platform Product Marketing at Freshworks. She's a strategic problem solver and she talks about her experiences of starting from India as a developer and having a passion for technology and how she moved to product development and later to product marketing. She further talks about how she's got her building blocks to become a general manager. And here are interesting snippets on how she uses her social realm of uh, development into her technology as well as product development and vice versa. Listen on, listen on. Hi, Preeti. Welcome to the Software People Stories. Hi, Gayatri. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy that uh, we are talking across borders. And as we uh, are at the 100th episode uh, of our podcast, I want you to give uh, start with your introduction. Wow, you've done 100 episodes. Kudos to you, Gayatri. That is amazing. That's a great achievement. I am so honored to be here today. Let me share a little bit about myself. So I started uh, my career journey in India, worked for a couple of companies, Hughes and Cisco, before I moved to the US about 20 years ago. And I spent uh, quite a bit of time at Cisco as a software engineer. And from a software engineer, I moved into product management. And then from there, I veered into product marketing. And I did a few stints at Dell. Um, and so Cisco and Dell were my big company. And then I jumped ship to Nutanix, which is a startup, uh, continued in marketing and sales roles. Then I did a one-year stint as a VP of marketing at a, a smaller startup called Panzura last year. And this year, uh, it's really an exciting start at Freshworks, which may not need much of an introduction, but uh, it's a great journey here right now at Freshworks, running marketing for a couple of products. Wow, that sounds like the entire life cycle of uh, enterprise, right? Starting as a developer, being in the engineering division, leading product, engineering manager, product marketing, product leadership, excellent pretty. This is like an amazing uh, set of skills. Made you go through such varied and different roles. Yes, you know, I was joking to some friends that maybe the only thing I've not done is HR and operations. To some extent, I've done operations too, but maybe HR is the only thing left. <laughs> you know, I really love learning. That is my biggest driver. In any role I do, I want to constantly keep learning something new and uh, some new ways I can contribute to the organization. So that's why this uh, move uh, between different areas have been what ha have motivated me to keep my career going. And eventually I do see myself as a general manager, as a, somebody who can run a, a division or even if, if there is an opportunity, even a company. So that way I'm looking to gather the, uh, the information as well as the experience in several areas in order to be able to achieve. It's a very important way to put it right. In the earlier uh, companies like GE, what they used to do is they used to say, you want to be a CXO in the board. 
you have to play different roles, not just in different geographies, but different divisions. And only then are you getting different skills. So it's like uh, seeing the elephant from different sides of the table. Can you give us some of the stories where when you move to a different role, you actually had an aha moment? Yes, I, I can certainly share that. I can start my first um, move from engineering to product management. In, interestingly, when I was at Cisco, product management roles used to be a combo, inbound, outbound. So you did both product management and product marketing. Um, and uh, as a new product manager, it was a you know complete new learning experience. And one might think that you know can one really make that huge shift, right? Because engineers are more working within their own areas and, you know, it's not exactly a role where you interact with customers, partners. One thing I have to say is that I had a lot of people around me who were my champions and they were my champions because I was able to add value to what they were doing, right? So it was a mutual benefit for each of us. But something I realized is, you know, even though as an engineer, you might feel that the other side is difficult or can I even achieve it? You, I spent about one and a half years make in the, working through that transition and getting the experience by doing as free assignments to other product management teams. And that's how I made the jump. But as I was doing it, it was becoming very clear that this is not rocket science, right? It's not a rocket science for any engineer to aspire to go towards a business role. And so as I was making the transition, I got more and more confident that I will be successful in that role, right? So that was a huge eye opener. And that has continued to help me as I transition to other roles in other sales departments or marketing departments. Any new role, the question is like, it's not how can I actually do it? It's, it's not, it's why not? you know, why not take the new role and then figure it out as you build the role, right? So that has been my biggest learning. Not about what skills, but look at why not and then go through the journey. I love the spirit of being a lifelong learner, right? You stay as a lifelong learner, things come easier. And what are the few risks that you've taken when you did such moves? Were there any risks that you had to take uh, when you had to leave a role that you are comfortable with? Yes. <laughs> taken a lot of risks, made a lot of mistakes. So I think they, I can highlight a couple of risks I took. When I was um, having a, quite a long career in marketing, product management, product marketing, for about seven years or so between uh, Cisco, Dell and Nutanix, at one point I had the opportunity to do something different in a business operations capacity. So I took a chief of staff role uh, at Nutanix, uh, working for the VP of sales. And it was uh, it, it was actually a big jump, uh, right? It is uh, not something I had ever done before, but I'm so glad I did it. I made my share of mistakes when I got into that role. I had to think in terms of how does how do sales, marketing, operations, and even the legal HR and all the areas come together to make a customer win happen as well as a customer progress towards buying more from the company. So I was in charge of such different programs for acquisition and retention and growth of customers. And I had no idea how I was going to do it. And I was able to then get the right people around me and go and get help from different team members to make it happen. So what essentially you're saying really is from a product marketing role, you took a chief of staff for the head of sales to make sales function more effective. Is that how to understand the chief of staff role? I know chief of staff role in a, from a, a traditional program management 
uh, handling a PMO sort of a function, but the way you are in this ex explaining is slightly different role, right? Yes. In fact, nowadays, uh, the last couple of years or even maybe last three years, the chief of staff has become a huge part of not just the PMO org, but even in roles reporting directly to the CEO and helping being a chief of staff to the CEO running the whole company and or chief of staff to different department heads, like a chief product officer can have a chief of staff, a head of sales can have a chief of staff. In, in my case, I was uh, the chief of staff for the head of global account sales. And it was a new area for the company to go into and succeed, even though the company had done very well in large Fortune 500 and, and Global 2000 accounts, uh, there wasn't a systematic program on how we can continue to succeed. So having a chief of staff role was critical for the head of global account sales to actually then figure out a repeatable way uh, to go and make it happen. Right. And uh, so I was able to bring in that uh, the, some of those skills from engineering, wherein we are very process driven, as well as the marketing angle, wherein we are we are making sure that we know the target market, the persona. So, in fact, I would say that it was a great step for me because I could pull in the experience I had from engineering and product and marketing to help with the sales function and also understand what is that makes sales work, right? Because ultimately sales is where the rubber meets the road. You have to be successful in selling in order to be successful as a company. So I was able to get a taste and add value to that team too at the same time. So just to come back, right? Chief of staff for different roles can actually help enhance the function of the particular leader that the chief of staff reports to. Wow, that's a, that's a very different way to look at the role itself. I had never thought of chief of staff as a function that way. I was thinking more as a people function where you bring people together, make them more high performance or more as an effectiveness and be the gel. But it's also a different way to say, okay, I bring data, I bring my engineering, I, I make it more process driven. I ensure that things are moving. Very well put, Preeti. As you move from a different organization, right? What are some advice that you will give for somebody who has to transition um, to a new firm? What are the things uh, you just moved to Freshworks by the starting of the year? So how how does it work? Particularly at a, such a senior role, how do you prepare yourself from a cultural perspective as well as from a engineering mindset as yes that's a great question because the success of a new job is uh, measured in the first 30 60 90 days uh, so it is critical for somebody to plan so that they can actually go in and create wins quick wins as you might call it so i think my strategy at uh, freshworks as well as any other past company one is to make sure i build the right relationships with all the stakeholders. As a product marketing leader, I have to make sure I'm aligned with the sales team. I'm aligned with the product management team. I also am aligned with my own reports uh, because we have a global presence in, in uh, many of these companies. So you, know, you need to have that relationship built. So first pillar is making sure you're building the right relationships. And number two is you are getting a clear alignment and understanding of the goals of these leaders of different departments. 
right? So be it the sales head or product head or marketing head or other other parts of the company to have that alignment and figure out what are their three, six, 12 month goals and how does that map into how you're going to perform in your role and, and add value to each of those different departments, right? So that's number two. And number and the number three uh, area to focus on is building your own 30, 60, 90 day plan. So you can then figure out how you can get some quick wins uh, in about 30 days and, uh, and then again, continue to build upon the wins across 30, 60 and 90 days. So these are all very critical. And I'll add a fourth piece, which is actually something that's uh, with the, this latest times, right? The, the new times is all about uh, workplace and, uh, pro and you know, sharing on social feeds as out external and internal. So it's also important to have the humble brag going on wherein you're sharing uh, about your achievements and also the team achievements. So that way people know that uh, you are actually adding value to the organization. Brag uh, with the addition of humbleness. Okay, <laughs> interesting, Preeti. I I would have expected that the first three, but the fourth one is the new one. Yes, yes. You know, see the thing is, it's so to it's the term brag has a lot of negative connotation, right? People feel that they, you know, it's not a good idea to brag. But at the same time, if you're bragging on behalf of the team then that is actually a good thing because as a leader, you're motivating your team members to continue to deliver and aspire. So that's why I called it the humble brag because the fact is that when your team delivers, you deliver as a leader. That is the secret. Absolutely, right? It's a uh, constantly, unless there is a, you spotlight that behavior uh, or uh, let's say the uh, win that you're getting or the behavior, uh, if you keep spotlighting, uh, it gets accelerated, right? You continue to uh, encourage such uh, wins and outcomes. <laughs> I, I would keep, I, I'll probably steal that humble brag as a term <laughs> going forward. When we talk about such a awesome career map, I know you are very active in investing. I have known you being a lifelong mindfulness practitioner or expert. How do you keep such different realms of your life running in parallel first you, you ought to probably share different realms to our listeners sure absolutely just to share a little bit of perspective i besides the lifelong learning uh, the other piece that uh, really keeps me motivated is how do we uh, then take that and make an impact in different areas of society uh, so some of pieces or some of the causes that are dear to my heart is one is education children women and as well as now recent in the recent years economic impact so those are some of the areas that I love to spend time in uh, you know bringing up uh, some nonprofit work um, and being part of boards um, so you know initially when I first started uh, I had volunteered and as well as been on the board of uh, my helping hands or Udum Karangal in India so that that particular role gave me an opportunity to how to uh, work on build a nonprofit in the Bay Area and in the US from scratch to support causes in India. And uh, we actually ended up raising about uh, four to $500,000 over a period of seven, eight years, uh, which ended up uh, helping with uh, you know tsunami relief. It ended up helping with building a school, all right? That, that was my first experience uh, doing something outside work. And then one thing I do is like, I sort of bring the learnings from across both areas. The learnings I had in the nonprofit side, like how I was 
able to market the events very well, how I was able to fundraise and, and influence people gave me the confidence to then move, make the move from engineering to business. Because I, would, I could see that I was really good at doing the marketing for the nonprofit. So why not take that and make it part of my job? Right? So it sort of comes together, right? In full circle. And so, and secondly, you talked about mindfulness. I also started meditating at a very early age. Uh, thank, thanks to my mother's influence. And I continue to do that over the last uh, 20 plus years. And I can say that uh, that ability to meditate then ability to focus every morning and as well as the rest of the day to have that focus has given me the, uh, the strength uh, to go and pursue all these areas, right? Starting with nonprofit work, as well as now in investing. Uh, so taking a step onto investing, that question you asked about, I would say that I became an angel investor recently, uh, just about uh, two years ago, and made about a couple of investments in funds, couple of investments in uh, individual companies. I'd be happy to share more if, if you need more details. But that has also been my way of giving back to the economy because I invest in women-led startups. I invest in social entrepreneurs, right? Um, as well as a few uh, new technology. That sounds fantastic, really. I didn't know some of these aspects. Wonderful. It is the most important thing, right? When you do something passionately, you also self-discover some skills that innately you had that you never thought that, that you can bring it back to the corporate world. I come from, I was working in ThoughtWorks. They used to constantly say that when you have social impact, project one is the impact itself that you're making and that humbles people but the skills that you gain you actually you can flow it back into corporate and uh, that's one of the main philosophies also of open source moment more and more you contribute to open source it's not just that you're you are benefited at some shape or form by karma by also by your increasing your skill level yes i, I see your story <laughs> Pay it forward, right? You're paying it. Preeti, uh, what is the current uh, set of exciting uh, things that are happening in your life now? I know uh, I can imagine uh, your life being, uh, your calendar being completely <laughs> chopper blocked with so so many different things. What is it that will both from a, a keeping you awake, being worried part of it, as well as keeping you excited? What are those couple of things that awake as well as excited? Yes, absolutely. I know it is a tough time right now, you know, as we all know with the current COVID situation and keeping oneself motivated is, is not easy. And I find that as a, many leaders might be feeling this, that not only have to have they uh, need to keep themselves motivated, but they have to motivate their entire team because the teams are feeling separate. Their teams are feeling lonely working out of their home. Um, so I do, I currently do three different different main things, three main things that I'm involved in. One is, of course, my day job, uh, right, as a leader of mark, a couple of areas of marketing at Freshworks. That is what takes most of my day, my working hours. And I try my best to uh, make time for being strategic um, so I can, uh, you know, have the right team members take on what new roles uh, within the team as well as grow their capabilities. So that will help me actually focus more on how to grow the business and grow the product. So that has been my strategy 
strategy, but I, I still end up putting, uh, you know, easily 50 hours a week. So, you know, that is the reality, right? And uh, the second part that I am focused on, uh, actually, I recently became a mindfulness teacher with the art of living. Uh, so uh, actually, I would say it's a breath and meditation teacher about two years ago. So I spend about um, maybe uh, six to 10 hours on the average per week. Uh, some weeks are a little more uh, where I teach the techniques uh, to others. And it's been a very rewarding experience uh, because, uh, you know, at this time of a crisis, when people are sitting at home, worried about themselves, in, for them to pick up this breathing and meditation practice to, and to find the peace of mind, it's been fantastic. And, and people really share how the techniques and meditation practice, having a regular one, has changed their perspective of the situation. And the third area that I'm focused on on time-to-time basis is I mentor startups as well as invest in some startups. So that has uh, maybe taken about, like maybe I I spend about five hours a month or five to 10 hours a month. That's a very nice way to put it. One is for your company, the other is for the mind, uh, doing part of it and the being part of it and looking at the future. No, I like the harmony of it. Being a fellow mindfulness practitioner and we give search inside yourself kind of a mindfulness, we provide that as part of our leadership training as well as coaching. I find it extremely rewarding when suddenly there is a light bulb switch on. How come I never knew this for a, forever? It, when you think about it, it you just have to be. It is, you don't even have to do anything to practice mindfulness. I'm so happy that you're doing it, particularly during the COVID time, super critical uh, for all of us. And what is it that you're passionate as far as technology is concerned? What are the few things that you can't live without the kind of software that you can't live without today. <laughs> well, I think it brings the age-old uh, question of what are the whether you're a Windows person or a Mac person. I, I have to say that I, I I'm a Windows person, so I can't live without my PowerPoint, my calendar, Outlook calendar, and the usual usual suspects on on how to do Office. And back this weekend, I was watching a documentary on Bill Gates and how he thinks. Right, so. I was trying to get uh, get to some get some perspective on leadership the second piece is obviously all the stuff with social connecting socially with uh, be it within the company through workplace or slack or external uh, connections through twitter linkedin etc so those are some of the key uh, tools that i have open uh, in my laptop right now and uh, and besides that it's usual devices uh, phones uh, tablets uh, that everybody gets <laughs> gets to use all right so I think if you look at yourself as a time turner, let's say 20 years down the line, what are the few technologies can you imagine that will take off? You can't imagine uh, having everybody having a phone or a tablet, let's say uh, 20 years before uh, when you were in India, right? Can you imagine now from today to 20 years, what will be some of those? Have you thought of them? Yes, a, a few, I think. So with respect to future, I have been look, uh, looking at a few presentations uh, uh, by people I admire, looking at some documentaries, as well as looking at uh, what, what the latest technologies we are working on. Uh, so one such presentation by Vivek Vadva is a person I, I, I admire. He talks about the speed at which robotics has moved ahead. The last 20 years or 30 years, even we've been talking about robotics. 
And in the last two, three years, the speed at which the calculations are uh, being processed by these autonomous units have, ex have, have, uh, have exponentially increased to what it was the previous 20 years. So that is why we see that all these new innovations, right, the autonomous vehicles is, is certainly around the corner. And then we also see like humanoid robots and stuff like that around the corner, right? So those are all things that I certainly see that would be in the next 10 years or so. And number two, this is a thing that I wish would happen which, uh, you know, we were watching a Star Trek movie this weekend, the food synthesizer, <laughs> that would be a boon. Make Preparing a good meal thrice a day is very difficult being a working person. I'm sure many of you can relate. But um, I would love to see that uh, innovation coming true. I know we have had the instant part, but I think we should do something even more than that. And number three is uh, space travel. I don't know if I will end up uh, traveling to space at some point. I wish I would. I would love to look at the at the Earth from outside. But I'm sure in my, at least in my son's time, it, there would be a lot of space travel. My favorite wish is the VR. Um, if I have to just uh, speak to Preeti, I should probably sit next to Preeti. My, uh, you know, virtual uh, avatar should come sit next and... Uh, hear it and another creepy thing i'm scared if that will come is a system being able to read my thought that's a very scary thing <laughs> i know it is coming <laughs> given the data science and auto ml and everything that is coming up it's a matter of time where they uh, have one uh, chip inside my inside the head that start reading well i have to tell you something on that a recent investment and i made and also i'm the advisor is a company called Nextem. Check them out. And they are working on a brain computer interface to help uh, process some of the thoughts in uh, to, to action. For example, if, if a person who is uh, having, uh, have lost an arm and they have a, an, a, an, a bionic arm on them, then using the thoughts that they want to move a certain finger or you know move the hand left or right, they are able to then make the motion possible just by the thought. So what you said is not far away, right? <laughs> so it may not be that they can read all our thoughts, but at least the thoughts that we focus on and want to help us move forward. That would be pretty cool. If we when we need help, doing it is one thing, but uh, more intrusive, right? Today, if you look at it, a lot of the social media, everything is becoming more and more intrusive. If uh, more around helping, enabling, that would be a cool thing. The cool thing that I can imagine is predictive uh, medical field. Uh, if you look at it, uh, the amount in which engineering has improved, uh, medical is not improved as much, right? Uh, not as much data science is being used, not that much predictive or even preventative medicine. But let's say I'm exercising this much or if I'm eating right, if I'm even reducing that. So there has to be some level of data science that will have sensors in place um, to have emotional as well as physical well-being. Those are my top. Wonderful. <laughs> Between the two of us, we'll have enough innovation to go after. <laughs> Absolutely. Baby. I know that your podcast is coming up. You, you are going to launch your own pod podcast, right? I'm so excited to hear that. Yes. So <laughs> there are so many podcasts right now in the world. It's the new blog, right? Uh, previously, 10 years ago, we had blogging. Now it's podcasting. And uh, so why another podcast? That's a question I even asked myself. Uh, you know, what is it that people want to hear about? And I realized that there was one pain point that I have, 
and I have heard other people talk about it too. Uh, we all want to read books. We want to learn more, but we all have limited time. So how do we choose what books do we read and what, what will make an impact to us? So for uh, we, have, uh, we are now going to start a podcast called Grow 10X, which is going to focus on reviews of business books and self-development books so that uh, we, will have a like, we will have a 20 to 25 minute interview posted uh, for each book that we choose. And uh, so people can then listen to that review and decide whether they want to buy the book, right? So for example, uh, we, I recently interviewed uh, Heather Jirahi and who was a COO, multi-time COO at the, in the Bay Area. And uh, she talked about the gifts of imperfection and that book, how it has made a difference in her career. So somebody who wants to pick up that book doesn't need to uh, read the whole book to, to start with. They can listen to the podcast and if they enjoy listening to the podcast, then they can decide to buy the book, right? So that is the whole idea to give a very quick snippet about the book and the benefit of the book to, to listeners. Sounds very exciting. In terms of one is uh, easier a way to synthesize a book. You have to read a you uh, read the audible kind of a book. It takes much longer, right? And it is coming from a different person, and their synthesis also is included as part of the book. It's a very cool uh, podcast. I am looking forward to. So, We'd love to have you as one of the guests on the podcast too. Certainly, certainly. Anytime, anytime. Would love that. If you want to share a few takeaways uh, about your own um, life journeys, right? If you say some things that you will not do it, will will not repeat it, or something that you would certainly want to amplify, what would be a few things? Yes, I. You know. One of the areas I would change if I was to redo my life, uh, if I was to go back to my early 20s, would be to ask for help. Um, it's only when I was seven or eight years into my career journey, that whole uh, concept of mentorship came to my purview. It became more and more popular in the mid uh, 2005 to 2010 time range, and it has only gotten better now. Uh, so I did not know when I started working uh, in early 2000 that we could actually go and get mentors, and then through that mentoring we can grow our career. So I wish I had that that foresight, uh, you know. <laughs> so so that is one thing I would really change. And then number two is I would I would say that. That I would uh, believe more in myself. You'd be surprised, like because I think I have taken a lot of risks in my career, and and so forth. Uh, thankfully, I had great people who believed in me around uh, to actually then push me forward in the moments when I doubted myself. Uh, so, but but I'm glad I still took the step, right? Even though there was a question on whether I can do it or not, I still jumped ahead. So that that is what I think I would give as a positive side, wherein to actually take the risk in spite of whether you believe uh, you can do it or not. Uh, so those are things I would say, you know, are the positive side. I wouldn't have believed if you had told you had doubt. You're always this ever energetic. You always have the spring in your uh, step at any point in time. But uh, I agree. I think all of us go through those moments. And uh, that's when network helps, right? Having network of people in, from different areas and having different interests keeps you going yeah, very well put. Yeah. any any other final thoughts well i would say the first step to being successful in a career 
um, or in life is to know oneself. So to take time to build that self-awareness is very critical and pick up a good habit. Uh, like we both are mindfulness practitioners to pick up a practice like a meditation practice combined with exercise will help us become more self-aware and expand our perspective. So those would be a couple of uh, pieces that I would leave the audience with. Awesome, awesome, Preeti. Thank you so much for your time. I, I know in your busy schedule, I really appreciate it from some of our people's stories. Thanks for listening and thanks for being a great guest here today. Thank you, Gayatri, for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. We thank Siddharth for the music and Malavika for promoting the Software People stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcasts at pm-powerconsulting.com.